name is Andrew. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at GFC. And this summer, if you've been with us at all, we have been in this series called Summer Love, where we have been looking at the quote-unquote love chapter of the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it is this just densely packed passage just describing what love is. And uh, if you've grown up in the church, or if you've thought about um, Jesus at all, or you've heard the stories about him, um, or if you've heard uh, just teachings about Christianity, the concept of love comes up pretty quickly. The fact that God so loved the world, and that he sent his one only son to die on the cross for us, and think about how we need to love other people and whatnot. So uh, a church talking about love isn't a big surprise, but when we dive into 1 Corinthians 13, um, I don't know about you, but for me, as I've been diving into it more this summer, it just caught me by surprise a little bit. Just like, wow. I often talk about how I need to love other people, how God so loved me. But then when I dive into what love really is, it's really difficult. It's way more nuanced than I often think it is. Because here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this, uh, it's kind of like he's holding up for us a, a diamond or a precious gem. I don't know if you've ever held it, something like that. And when you when you turn it, you get to see different angles of it. And the light hits it this way. And then you're like, wow, you get to just admire it in different ways as you slowly just kind of turn it in your hand. And that's kind of what the Apostle Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians 13 with love. He's holding it up for us. And as he slowly turns it around, you get to see this angle and that angle. And, and it's just... All the same thing, just nuanced slightly differently. And wow, I hadn't quite thought of it this way or that way. Or, wow, I really struggle with that or this aspect and whatnot. And it's just been, a, for me at least, it's been challenging. It's Love is one of those things that we can just quickly say we do, but when we really think about it, it's way more difficult to actually to do it. But it's worth striving to love because Christ first loved us, Right? Yes, right, yeah. All right, yeah, you're all alive. That's good. The lights are kind of bright, so I can't always see everybody. I'm glad to know that you're alive and you're here. But yes, it is worth striving to love because Jesus really did first love us. And ultimately, we can't love the way Jesus calls us to by ourselves. We need him to transform and change us from the inside out. But it's a worthwhile pursuit. All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll just kind of get the lay of the land. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 6, this is what it says. It says that love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. All right, so in the past few weeks, we've, we've looked at these things like why love is patient and kind and, and it's not jealous and whatnot. Today we are looking at how love, it does not demand its own way. Now, you might have a translation in your hands um, uh, that might say something slightly different. It might say that love does not insist on its own way or love is not self-seeking or love is not always me first. Um, but when we kind of boil that down kind of real quick, you get to see that well, love isn't selfish. That's kind of the, the gist that we can quickly see from that. You know, if love isn't demanding my own way, if it's not self-seeking, then we can just quickly say love is not selfish. But if you look at all these aspects of what the Apostle Paul talks about, how love is patient and kind, you could say that about every facet of this, this love diamond that he's kind of spinning around for us. Like, the reality is love is not selfish, period. It's not meant to be. 
And so this statement, love does not demand its own way, it has to be deeper than just love is not selfish. There's more nuance to it. And that's what I want us to dive into. So what is Paul getting at with this idea that love does not demand its own way? Well, let's think about it. When someone demands something, what does that mean? It means they're insisting upon something. It means they require something of you or of the situation. When someone demands something, there's a sense of, uh, there can be a sense of entitlement or an assumption that, you know, it has to be this way. It can't be that way or this way. It has to be this way. I'm demanding it this way. You know, there's this sense of uh, authority that, like, it has to be my way, nobody else's way. I have to get what I desire. And so we, this idea of demandedness is really what Apostle Paul is getting at. This idea of insisting upon my own way. And my own way is kind of a, a broad statement, isn't it? Like, what does he mean by that? What does he mean? I think when the Apostle Paul says love does not demand its own way, he purposefully leaves it very broad. All right, so that it could fit all sorts of things. And so when he says uh, we shouldn't demand our own way, uh, I think about what are the things in my life that I demand or that I insist upon? And we can demand our own, all sorts of things. We can demand our own, or at least I can demand my own uh, my own ideas when I'm talking to someone and I know I'm right and they're wrong. You ever been in that situation where you know you're right and the other person's wrong and you're just demanding, like, no, it has to be my way. Or we can easily demand our own hopes or desires or dreams. We get into a situation where there's two different people and one has this desire for, for an outcome of a situation and you have this other one and it can be so easy to just go to toe to toe and like, all right, Let's do this. I'm going to demand my own way. And you just you can fight over these types of things. We can demand our own rights. We can demand our own privileges. We can demand our own all sorts of things. And those things are all broad. But we can get even more specific than that. And we will as time goes on. But when I demand my own way, when I do it, I'll speak for myself, I'm assuming a couple things. All right? When I demand my own way, I assume a couple things. And I think one of the first assumptions is this, that my way is always best. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a work situation where you get around a table and you're talking to people about like, hey, uh, we have to solve this issue. There's a, a problem in our business or uh, on, on the job site or whatever. And you get around the table and you're trying to brainstorm different ideas and you get that person in there that's like, hey, my idea is the best way. It has to be this. And you're like, okay, like, let's talk about some other ideas. No, it has to be this way. And there's just this demanding, insisting upon that, and just this assumption that, of course, my way is best. And I think we can do that uh, at home as well. I can do that when I, uh, my wife and I are talking about, like, hey, what should, uh, what should we do for this coming weekend? Or, hey, what should we do um, for vacation? Or, or, hey, what do you want for dinner tonight? Or, hey, this is the way you need to cook that. Or, this is the way we need to clean our house. Or, this is the way we need to do our budget. And there can, when my way is obviously best, it's easy to demand my own way. And to assume my way is best. Am I the only one that feels that? You don't have to raise your hand. But I'm assume I'm not the only one in this room where we get these ideas in our head and we just assume, of course, this is best. And if we don't go with what I want, we're messing up. We're failing. We're just 
we're not going to do what's right. I think another assumption we can have when we have this sense of entitlement and uh, insisting upon our own ways that I deserve to get what I want. Have you ever been in the store and there's that kid that every time they go to the store they get a piece of candy or they always get a toy and so they have this idea that like when I go to the store I get what I want. I deserve to get what I want and then when they don't get what they want you know what happens. The crying, the screaming and 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 no one's ever been that kid, right? I was, I was never that kid. I never did that. I'm just kidding. I totally did that. But there, you know people like that, not just kids, where there's this sense of like, hey, in life, I deserve to get what I want. And we might not act uh, like little kids where we might throw a temper tantrum and, and throw ourselves on the floor and scream and whine, but, but we can do it in other subtle ways where we, we roll our eyes. Oh, come on. I definitely deserve that. Or we, we can just pick on people like we can uh, subtly uh, just show people our passive-aggressive feelings, you know? We live in Lancaster County. There's a, That can happen a lot. I don't know if you've ever felt that. But that feeling of like, it has to be my way, and you, you just subtly let someone know that in a very passive-aggressive way. Like There's so many ways where this type of attitude can come out. It doesn't always have to be the big whining and screaming and complaining. But I guarantee you there's times where there's something we want and we think we deserve it. And so we can insist upon our own way. And when we demand our own way, we're claiming that what I want is more important than what you want or what someone else wants. When we demand our own way, we set ourselves up as the center of the universe and everything has to revolve around that. You need to cater to my schedule. You need to cater to my wants. You need to cater to my desires. It's it's selfishness. And when I demand my own way, I have an attitude of entitlement. I whine. I get really defensive with people who try to, to get their own way and I want to fight them for it. And when I demand my own way, I put my comforts and my desires before the needs of other people. And that's clearly not love. As, we, as we've been holding out this idea of love over the last couple of weeks and look, just turning it slowly and looking at it, that's not love. Love is never this idea of like me, me, me. It's always giving out to others and, and looking out for the benefit of another person and caring for others. So if this idea of I have to have what I want, I need, I, I just insist upon it. I require my freedoms, my rights, my desires, my hopes, my, my all those things that I have to get what I want. If that's not loving than than what is and something that's helped me this week is uh, I've just been, been processing this and I was I was reading someone put it like this they 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 said it like this I'm kind of summarizing their words but they said love is not only shown through what we give but also through what we choose to give up love is not only shown through what we give but also through what we choose to give up oftentimes I can think about love as hey this is the thing I give to you. I, I serve you. I care for you. I send you a card. I give you a phone. I, I open the door for you. I make a meal for you. I give, I give, I give. But sometimes love is me saying, you know what? I'm going to give up what I have. And it, it's kind of the same thing, just kind of said differently. But for me, it, it helped me process because there are things in my life where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm willing to give you and give and give you this. Just don't require me to give up that. 
you have anything like that in your life where it's like, yeah, I can love, I can give this, and I can give that, but just don't ask me to give up this because this is mine. This is my me time. This is my TV time. This is my hobby. This is my hope. This is my freedom. This is my right. Don't ask me to give it up. I'll give you this, but I'm not going to give you that. And I know as I've sat with that thought, that's like, man, there are things in my life that I really don't want to give up for the benefit of another person. And I think um, what this boils down to is that love chooses to give up, just blank, just you can fill in the blank with whatever you want, for the benefit of another person. Love isn't always just giving, it's also about giving up. And I know that's, that's kind of the same thing, just said a little differently, but at least for me, in my brain, it, it helped me kind of process this a little better. Now, I want to just do a caution right now, kind of, do a, an aside. I don't think what the Apostle Paul is saying is, I don't think uh, that this means we ignore our own legitimate needs. Okay? I also don't think it means we can't ever have things our own way. Alright? Um, if you have a legitimate need that, like, you've just been, life this past week has been super hard, you've just you've been working super hard, and your friend's like, hey, I want to do something on Saturday, and you're like, I just, I need to sleep. I am just dog-tired, I need to rest. I need to recoup. Like, if you have legitimate needs, it's okay at times to to say no to things. Um, it's also okay at times to have things our own way. I don't. Have you ever been in the car with somebody, maybe your spouse or a friend, and you're like, hmm, I'm kind of hungry. Where do you want to eat? And they're like, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? And you're like, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want? And you just go back and forth. Now, if one person's like, you know what? I want to have Mexican tonight. The other person can't be like, you're demanding your own way. You're not loving. Like, that would be silly, right? Like, it's okay for us at times to have things our own way. Apostle Paul isn't saying, hey, um, in order to love people, you need to never uh, enjoy your hobbies. You need to never um, have a meal that you like. You know, like you can't have Mexican food because your friends want Chinese. Like, he's not saying that. He's getting at a heart posture at this this idea that I have to demand upon my way. That if if I don't get my way, that there's something wrong with this situation. There's something wrong with you for not giving me what I want. He's getting much deeper than just uh, someone getting what they want. It's this idea of demanding what I want. And I don't know about you, but I wish... See, this idea of love is so difficult. I wish that it was easy. Because when Apostle Paul says, hey, uh, love doesn't demand its own way, the the easy thing would be, okay, I'm just never going to have things my own way. But that would be misunderstanding what the Apostle Paul is getting at. Because that could easily lead to uh, a, a, a martyr complex where you're like, you know what, I just sacrifice for everybody. And I never eat what I want. I only eat what my wife wants. And I don't, you don't, you do all these things. And then you get this idea that like I'm more loving than everybody because I never enjoy the things I like. And that's a very easy route to just self-righteousness. So like, yeah, I give up everything for everybody. I never enjoy my me time or I never Do you get what I'm saying? Like this idea of not demanding our own way, it causes us we have to think and we have to apply wisdom to the different situations in our life. Where it's like, you know what? 
maybe it's okay that I, I get what I want this time. But maybe next time it won't be okay. Maybe next time I will, I should actually give up what I want for this other person. Or maybe the, the, the third time down the road, you know, maybe it's okay that I get what I want in this situation. But maybe the, the following time, the, there's just learning to love requires wisdom. It requires prayer. It requires us stepping back and saying, you know what, this might not be as black and white as I want it to be. It might be really gray. It might be really challenging. But I think that's what Jesus is calling us to step into, is to step into this grayness and say, hey, how can I learn to become a person that has a heart that seeks to love other people? And that is a really hard thing to do. But thank goodness Jesus did that for us. All right. So if love means that at, at times I'm going to choose to give up what I want for the benefit of someone else, um, I want us to think about what are, what are some more specific ways that we can do that. And there's two ways that I, I want us to just talk about. You can probably think of, of more ways. Um, but the first one is this. It's sacrificing my comforts for the benefit of others. Sacrificing my comforts for the benefit of others. Again, like we've talked about, there, there isn't, there's nothing wrong inherently with having comforts, with having things go our own way. For having that me time, for, for enjoying that TV show, for uh, having that good meal, for, for enjoying that vacation. There's nothing wrong with those things, all right? When, God, when we have times to enjoy the comforts of life, we can thank God for those things, and we can enjoy those things as gifts from God. That, that's awesome. I love that God uh, has uh, created me to live in a time where there's brownies, and there's Netflix, and there's all these things that comforts that I love that I can just enjoy. But, if I'm going to learn to love, there are times where I need to sacrifice my comforts. I think about times when I'm really tired. When I come home from work, or I come home from just a difficult day, and the, the, the desire is, I want what's comfortable. I want the hot meal, I want to watch what I want to watch, I want to enjoy my evening, I want to relax. But then I come home and my wife needs to have a, a conversation with me because she's had a difficult day. Or a friend has, or a family member has, or my neighbor wants to talk. Or there's something that, that goes on in life that I want my comfort, but this other person needs this. And so I have a choice to say, you know what? Uh, am I going to give up my comfort this time to love them or not? And again, sometimes if we have legitimate needs, sometimes we do need to say no to people. But oftentimes, I can give up my, my brownie that evening to go talk to my friend. Or I can give up my TV time that evening for my neighbor, or whatever it is. I think about, um, I've talked to different people where their, their dad was always, uh, growing up, their dad was always working super hard and working, working, working all the time, and he was the breadwinner in the home, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. And he was loving his family by providing. But then when he came home, there was this sense of, well, I did my share of the love. I did my share of the work, and so now I get to just receive. So I'm going to kick my feet up. I'm going to enjoy TV for the rest of the night. I need that hot meal and there is never a sense of, you know what, maybe I need to give up this tonight to be with my kids. Or maybe I need to give this up tonight because my wife had a really hard day. Or 
or whatnot. I don't know what it might be for you, but there's probably a comfort in your life that at some point this next week, you'll be faced with a choice of, you know what, am I going to indulge in this comfort, which there's nothing wrong with it, but maybe at this instance, I should give it up for my spouse, or I should give it up for my friend, or I should give it up for my neighbor, or whoever it is. What is that comfort in your life that when it's when it's there before you, you just want to hold on to it and say, you know what, I have to have this. If we have to have it, like if we have to have it, then we have this sense of demanding our own life. The only thing we really need in life is Jesus. And so anything else besides that, if we have to have it or else, you know, if I don't get this, you know, punches are going to be flying, like I'm going to go off the rail, then maybe we need to recheck our heart and say, you know what, maybe this is something that I'm not willing to give up in order to benefit someone else. I think another way that we can do this, and it's basically the same thing, just said it a little differently, it's this. It's denying my freedoms for the benefit of others. Denying my freedoms for the benefit of others. Now, I don't... What I mean by this is I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where the Apostle Paul actually he talks about this concept of denying our freedom as... Uh, as a Jesus follower, our freedom in some specific instances to say, you know what, I'm going to look to benefit another person. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, he's talking about meat sacrificed to idols in this passage. And I don't know about you, but I've never eaten meat sacrificed to an idol. I've never seen that happen before. Um, if you have, please tell me about it because that sounds super interesting. But here in this passage, he's talking about as believers, how some believers felt a freedom back then to say, you know what, uh, if meat was sacrificed to a, to a pagan idol, you know what, and it was, because oftentimes it would be sacrificed, and then it would somehow find its way back into the marketplace and get resold to different people, or people would take it home and eat it in their house. And so if you were in a situation where people were eating meat sacrificed to idols, um, the Apostle Paul says, hey, if if you believe that's not wrong, you can have that freedom and you can engage in eating that meat. He's saying, you know, the, some of you, you, you realize that, you know, there's only one true God. He's the God of all things. That meat that was sacrificed to that idol, yeah, he created that, that, that animal. And so really that meat belongs to God and, and it's okay. Go ahead and eat the meat. But the Apostle Paul also brings up, hey, there are other people, though, that really struggle with that idea of, eating meat sacrificed to idols because they still are living in this, this, in this system, in their conscience, they're still struggling with, yeah, but that's sacrificed to other deities, to other gods. And so they're really struggling with this idea. And the Apostle Paul brings up both and he never says, hey, one is like sinful or not. He says, you know, there's a freedom to eat this meat sacrificed to idols. It's also okay if people don't. But what he brings up is when this freedom gets in the way of a believer helping another believer. And so he says this, he says, But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? 
So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. Then it goes on and says, And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. The Apostle Paul believed it was his freedom to eat meat sacrificed idols. He saw nothing wrong with that. But it's interesting that what he saw wrong was, hey, if I eat this meat and I know it's going to cause a brother or sister in Christ to stumble, it's going to impact them, then he calls that sinful. Isn't that interesting? It's like, hey, there's times where as believers, we may have a freedom to do something, but love requires us to say, you know what? I'm going to deny myself that freedom or that right right now. Maybe not forever, but right now at least, because I don't, because I want to love a fellow believer, because I want to be there for them, because I want to engage them in relationship. I think that's just so profound. That idea that, you know what, what's most important is the way I treat you. It's not what I get. Even though uh, meat is awesome. I would If there's meat served, I'm always getting meat. Like, that would be super hard. I will never eat meat again as long as I live, the Apostle Paul says. Like, that would be difficult, for me at least. But think about the heartbeat behind that. So, you know what, I'm going to put their needs, I'm going to put where they're at. I'm going to think about them before I think about what I can rightly have. And nowadays, uh, we don't struggle with meat-sacrificed idols, at least not here in New Holland. But I think there are other things, other areas that I don't think are black and white for us as Christians. You know, there are some things that we can say, you know what, this is right, this is wrong. But then there's a lot of things in the middle that, you know, is it, can I engage with this? Can I not? Can I follow Jesus and still do this or that? And there, there are different things where if we went around the room and surveyed everybody, we might be at all different spots on the map. One thing that comes to mind is, is alcohol. You know, Scripture never says that it's sinful to drink alcohol. It does say it's sinful to, for drunkenness. But people interact, Christians interact with alcohol in very different ways. Um, and someone might, have a, might say, hey, my freedom is I can engage in this. But you might have a brother or sister in Christ who... Alcohol has been a real struggle in their past, and it's been just a, a big issue for them. And I think the Apostle Paul said, hey, if you're having them over to your house, and you know your brother or sister has really struggled with that, uh, the loving thing would be to uh, not just, uh, just shove it down their throat. Hey, you need to have a beer. Hey, you need to have this. Hey, you need to try this. Like, Engage them in love. Maybe ask them, hey, are you okay if I drink this? Like, Are you okay with that? Like, think about where they're at and where their needs are at before you just engage in the freedom that you think you have. And I think the Apostle Paul would say, yeah, that's a freedom. But don't let your freedom cause another brother or sister to stumble. I think another one, another modern example, is media. Specifically, entertainment. Things like movies and TV shows. You know, there are, there's... Tons and tons of different movies and shows that we can watch just at the blink of an eye through Netflix and Hulu and all sorts of things. But if we went around the room and we put up different movie titles or TV shows, some people might say, yeah, it's totally fine to watch that. And other people might be like, I don't, 
don't think we should watch that as believers. Or we should definitely get most of it because of whatever's in it. And I think sometimes the loving thing as believers is to say, you know what? I feel this freedom that I can watch this, but maybe I'm I'm in a room where with a brother or sister in Christ who's really struggled with pornography or struggled just with different things. Maybe they have a different conviction than I do. So maybe, you know, they're hanging out at my house. Maybe I don't demand we watch this movie. Maybe I say, hey, what do you want to watch? Let's watch something that where they're at. Because the impetus that, that the Apostle Paul puts on, it's, he puts it on those who feel more freedom to say, you know what? I'm not going to cause a brother or sister in Christ to stumble. And that's more important than watching what I want, than drinking what I want, than eating what I want. It's more important to love others. So there are times where as Christians, I believe, we can deny our the freedoms we feel like we have in order to benefit another person. And I would say that is the loving thing to do. And again, I don't think this is easy. I think this requires a lot of wisdom and prayer and just thinking to think about, you know what? In this situation, who's going to be here? What are we going to be doing? Is this going to be loving to everybody or is it not? Now, I, do, I don't think this means that we can't ever talk to someone like if if you have feel like you have a freedom in drinking alcohol or watching a certain movie or whatever it is because you can think of other examples i don't think the apostle paul saying hey you can't go to that quote-unquote weaker believer and talk to them about it i think that's loving to do but what's not loving is that we have to demand on our own way we can't just insist upon it we have to think about where they're at all right now All of this talk about denying ourselves, our freedom, sacrificing our comforts, not demanding and stick on our own way. The greatest thing in all of this is that this is exactly what our God has modeled for us. Our God isn't just a killjoy saying, hey, you need to to sacrifice your wants or your desires or your comforts at times to love people. No, our God himself has done this for us. And this is the last passage we're going to look at today. It's Philippians 2, 3 to 8. And it says this. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It goes on and it says, catch this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. All right. And so what, what attitude did Jesus have? It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. If anyone ever had a right to demand their own way, it's God. It's Jesus. If anyone ever had the authority and the power and the wisdom uh, to say, you know what? This is what's right. My way is best. This is what we need to do. I'm holy. You're not. I deserve to be worshipped. You don't. It's my way. No one else's. There's only one person who can actually claim that, and that's God. We don't have any right to demand our own way as sinful human beings. As creatures created from the dirt with sinful, broken hearts, you know, We're so incredibly selfish. Andrew is so incredibly selfish. And yet, 
I look at our God and what he's done. He's the God from eternity. He wasn't created. He created me. He, he died for me. And yet, he's been so incredibly selfless. He came to earth and he didn't cling to his rights. He gave those things up. It says there in verse 6 that he did not cling uh, to this idea of his equality with God. You know, this doesn't mean that Jesus gave up being God. Jesus was fully God. Uh, he, was still, he was still fully God when he took on flesh. He was still, and then he was fully man at the same time. So he's not giving up his deity, but he's giving up that, that right that he deserved to demand that, hey, uh, I'm not going to cling to this equality with God the Father. I'm just going to come and I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to come be a human and just walk around and love people. I'm the king of the universe. I can cling to my equality with God the Father, yet I'm going to lay that aside for a time. It says he gives up. He gave up his divine privileges. Think about what Jesus had uh, in heaven. The glory and the majesty being worshipped 24-7. He had everything. And yet he says, you know what? I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to give that up. Why? So that he could benefit us. So that he could love us. And here's the thing. No one has given up more for you than Jesus had. Than Jesus has. No one has given up more for you than Jesus had. And no one had as much to give up as he did. And yet he gave it all up. And he laid it down for you and me. Because he loves you and me. And so when we're thinking about this idea of, you know what, there might be times where I need to give up in order to love someone else. I need to give this up or that up. We can't just say, you know what, God's a killjoy. I don't want to do this. We have to look to the example of Jesus and say, you know what, he gave up more than I could ever possibly give up. And yet he chose to do that for me, for you, because he loves us. And I really think that in order for us to begin to love like Jesus, we have to be enamored and just blown away by the love of Jesus. We have to just constantly come back to the cross and to his humanity and what he's done for us and say, wow, look at what he did for me. If we don't do that, we're not going to take steps in loving the way Jesus has loved. We're just not. We have to keep coming back to that. Now each week, as we've wrapped up, we've asked the question, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? And just want us to, to think about this. What does love require of me in light of this idea that love does not demand its own way? Is there something that you cling to, that you demand you must have? Something that might get in the way of you loving someone else? Is there something like that in your life? A comfort, a freedom, a right, a dream, a privilege, a hope, whatever. Is there a person that you really struggle loving because you have a hard time giving up something? Maybe it's with your spouse or with your kids or, or with a friend or with an enemy. With a boss, with a co-worker, with someone here at GFC. Is there someone in your life that's like, you know what, I don't want to give this up for them. Now again, at times there, we should, we, we should not ignore our legitimate needs there are times where it's okay to enjoy the comforts of life. That's okay. But it's this heart posture of I have to have what I want all the time, no matter what, that the Apostle Paul is getting at. And so, 
what does love require of you and me to give up this week? Maybe it's TV time so you can spend more time with the kids. Maybe it's that hot meal that you were anticipating when you came home so you can give that up so you can be with your spouse who's emotionally drained. Maybe it's giving up that me time that you're looking forward to so you can be with a friend who's hurting. Maybe it's giving up that freedom to watch this or to watch that so that you can put the needs of a fellow believer in front of your own needs. Just think about it right now. Where in life might you have to give up something this week in order to love somebody? Where might that be? Who might that be with? Just think about that right now. It might be really challenging, but I think what love requires of us is to say, you know what, there are times in life where I need to sacrifice me so I can give something up to benefit someone else. Because that's exactly what love itself did. Jesus, our God, is love. And that's what he did for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you gave up so much. You gave up the privileges of heaven. You didn't cling to your right to be worshipped. You gave up those things for a time so that you could come die in our place. And if you hadn't given those things up, the gift you wouldn't have ever been able to give us the gift of the cross. So thank you for what you gave up, for what you denied, so that you could love us. Lord, help us this week to just think about how we can better love the way you have called us to love. It's difficult. It's difficult for me to just process how to love. I so quickly want to run to my selfishness and my own desires and my comforts and not put you and others before myself. But Lord, may you help us to become a church body that says, you know what? You are worth following. And I pray and ask that you help us to love others well this week. May you use those times of, of love to impact the world around us, to show more and more people your love. Father, we love you. In your name I pray.